this is Ralph from Happy Dog Training and welcome to another episode of Dog Talk. Today we're going to talk about rescuing versus buying a dog. What should you do? Should you rescue a dog from a shelter or should you buy a dog from a breeder? Now obviously there is a lot of compassion and a lot of heated arguments on the side of rescuing a dog. Of course you should rescue, you should be a good person, you should save a dog's life. There's so many dogs in shelters. They get put down, and so on. And all of that is true. I'm not saying it's not. But is it the right answer for your family is a different question than all of these external factors. So if we're looking at shelters first and rescue dogs first, obviously, unless you're getting a puppy, but even, actually even if you get a puppy, um, you don't really know anything about the genetics of that dog. You don't know anything about the background, any kind of behavioral issues that makes have existed in the parents or grandparents of that dog. You don't necessarily know the breed makeup, the genetic makeup, any health conditions the dog may have to become genetic factors later. All of these things are unknown. So this is something to keep in mind as you rescue a dog from a shelter. None of these are exclusionary factors. So you should not, because of these risks, not rescue. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you should be aware of those parameters and go in it with open eyes. You can absolutely go to a shelter and rescue a wonderful dog. I rescued most of my dogs. My personal dogs were all rescues. Now, I'll get, get to the other side later. But you can rescue wonderful dogs. I rescued dogs from the shelter. Um, they were German Shepherds. And then later I have DNA tests have shown they were actually purebreds. The ones I rescued, one was a stray. Um, two was, no, two were stray. And one was, two other ones were from, from, one was directly surrendered from a person to me. And another one was um, surrendered by his owner the day before I found him. And that was actually my dog, Sylvester. He was an owner surrendered the day before I saw him at the shelter. And he was a purebred German Shepherd. So you can get amazing dogs at shelters. Absolutely. But you're going in with having to potentially deal with behavioral issues. So when I rescued Sylvester, he definitely needed training. He was untrained, and that's why he was surrendered, which is really not fair to him, but ended up great for me because he was an amazing animal, best dog I've ever had. And he is just uh, a, a lucky pick, a lucky find. Other dogs I got from shelters over the years, they came with other issues. Some, some behaviors that could be modified and changed, some that could not. So you're entering into a world of um, unknown to some degree, and you may or may not be able to address all the things you come across with a rescue dog down the line. That doesn't mean you're completely spared from any of this when you go and purchase a dog, but we'll get back to that later. So there are some risk factors associated with it. If you're prepared to spend the money on training, if you're prepared to um, set up money aside for potential health issues and how do health screenings, maybe do a DNA test. Embark Vet is one I like using. They do a lot of health checks and a more comprehensive check. Um, you, you can figure out a lot of those things once the dog's part of your family and you can prepare for a lot of those, those things. But it's just something to keep in mind, especially on the behavioral side. If you rescue a dog that is a little bit older, so we're talking a couple of years maybe, and you have no information how he ended up. He was picked up as a stray or she was picked up as a stray. Not an owner surrender. Really no way of finding out what the background of this dog is. 
It's a 50-50 chance it's going to go well, and there's a 50-50 chance it's not so going to go, going to go not so well. So definitely plan on training with an older rescue dog, and it's never too old to train a dog. Some Somehow people still seem to be asking this question regularly, so there still seems to be a thing that people think you cannot train older dogs, but that's clearly not the case. You can't. It doesn't matter. Um, as long as the dog can do the things you're asking him to do, it doesn't matter if he's eight years old, it's fine. But, but so definitely spend some thought on, we got to have to probably train this dog. We may have to deal with some behavioral issues. We may have to evaluate and assess this dog for a little bit longer before we can trust him more. It's just something to go in there with open eyes. Now, the other thing is in, in shelters, when you go there, especially when you have younger kids and they come with you, it's usually a good idea to pre-select some dogs. So if you go first without your kids, pick a couple of dogs that you think would be a good temperament for the family or maybe a certain breeds or certain demeanors that you're looking for and then only present your kid with those options that you pre-selected. So whatever your child chooses from those guys, you're going to be fine with no matter what. Probably a smart move. There's a couple of other things. You can ask shelter workers um, what the experiences have been with the animal that you're looking at. They may or may not have answers. But so there's a couple of things um, to consider on the rescue side of, of the matter. And as a general note, as I said, all of my personal pets were rescues. I think rescuing is wonderful if it fits your lifestyle, if it fits what you want to do, and if it's uh, right for your family, go for it. Plenty of dogs in shelters. You can get pretty much any breed you want and Go and rescue away. Absolutely a wonderful thing to do if it's your cup of tea. So, but let's look at the other side of the equation. If we are looking for a dog for a particular purpose, so if it's going to be a dog for sport, or in dog sport there are so many, I mean, it's fly ball, um, the, the, the um, protection sports, obviously, agility, um, that's the, um, the jumping in the water, I forget what's called dog diving <laughs> so there's so many different sports right but if you want a dog for sport and you want to compete with a dog on a um yeah on a regional or national level potentially on a world championship level you need to stack the deck in your favor you need to understand the genetics you don't want to have to fix any problems you want to know that the dog is a highly likelihood of being able to do what you want to do and just focus on the training so that would be obviously a path where you would clearly go and buy a dog from the right type of breeder. A breeder that is clearly reputable, very credible, has a lot of information, is very picky about where his dogs go to. So this just would be a, something you would definitely consider as a sports person. But it's similar for the police and for the military. So a lot of those dogs are actually not even from America. Because of the breeding that's done here in America... And the limitations of getting really good dogs in large quantities, a lot of those dogs are imported from Europe where the breeding is more towards higher standards and more maintaining breed standards. So you get a lot of dogs imported into the United States from Europe for the purpose of military and police dog training. It's a very common practice. It doesn't mean that there aren't some good tr uh, breeders here in America, but I don't know if they could actually deliver the quantities that the police departments and military departments across the, the nation need. So I'm not an expert to speak on that. I just know that there's a lot of import going on for the stated reason. But also service dogs, which is what we train, where we need certain parameters. So 
let's say on a mobility dog, and it depends then on the weight and the weight range of the person and the height of the person and the task the dog's supposed to perform. We need to get the dog to grow to a certain height, and we need to know that the joints are healthy, that um, there is no damage, there's no early hip dysplasia, or things like that. And you can't guarantee any of that with a rescue dog. It's like a huge gamble. So on the mobility side, we personally wouldn't take a rescue dog in for mobility dog training or for psychiatric training. So for those types of fields, we absolutely only use dogs from reputable breeders. Because with them, we can look back and we understand, well, parents, grandparents, and even further, and the breeders we pick, they have also a long history of, of producing really high-quality animals. So they have a reputation to lose. They, they don't put dogs out. Um, they, they really pay a lot of attention to the health and the breed standards, and they take care of their puppies well. They maintain them well. They're not just doing this for the money. They're doing this out of a passion. And uh, it's very obvious if you're dealing with a good breeder and bad breeder simply be based on the parameters and how protective they are of their dogs and what they care about and what they showcase to you and so forth. So it's important when you pick a dog for a purpose. If the dog is going to be a working animal for a particular purpose for someone, for something, you need to understand what genetics are at work, what exactly it is you're working with, because that has a huge impact on the performance of the dog and the ability of the dog to function in the job that he's going to have. If you were to go rescue that dog, for, for that job from, from a rescue pool, from a um, um, shelter or from a rescue organization, it would be a huge gamble and quite an expensive gamble because the training of professional dogs, service dogs, military police, sport, cancer detection, whatever the service is, right? That training takes a long time, a year, two years, not unusual for some trainings, uh, training durations when it comes to high quality performance. And the amount of money and time it takes, you don't want to have to fix issues. You don't want to have to deal with things you don't want to be dealing with. The only thing you want to worry about is getting this dog trained up, ready for the job that he or she is going to have. So any external problems you want to avoid and push away and ideally mitigate early on and going to a reputable breeder is the only way of doing that. So... When it comes to so when it comes to working dogs, there's really no discussion to be had of you have to go to a breeder, otherwise it's just it's a pretty crazy endeavor. Now you may have heard that for some police tasking, some police organizations have gone to shelters and rescue dogs. And for some tasking, that can be okay. If they have their own training program, they have their own trainers and they are willing to absorb those risks, especially with Centas, the risk is probably rather slow uh, rather low. A lot of those dogs that are used by the police in this regard are often used for detection tasks. And the noses of dogs are amazing, so they're not going to be necessarily the apprehension dogs or the building search dogs or some other of the more extreme taskings. They're more like the things that a lot of dogs will be able to do rather well, and they're usually scent driven. So there's some there's some wiggle room in some of those areas in some police departments and military military, I don't know, but police have read about a couple. Um, are definitely taking advantage of that, and that's also a perfectly fine thing to do. But that same dog is very unlikely to be trained as a, as a dog for apprehension because it, the dog now has to independently think and it needs to be proofed against all kinds of environments, and now we need to really understand what the dog can do, how long it can work, how healthy it is, 
So it goes back on, on the genetics in the background that we can't know with a rescued animal. So it depends on the training effort and how much is involved in getting that dog ready for deployment that will have a huge impact and a huge determining factor of rescue is an option or not. Okay, but that's pets and rescue and professional dogs. So that's one split. But how about if you are a normal pet or normal sounds bad, sounds bad, but a regular pet owner and you just want a puppy. You just, you've rescued dogs in the past and maybe you had issues and the training took a long time and maybe you couldn't fix all the things and you just like, like a dog that uh, maybe is a little bit less risk prone to having these issues you dealt with in the past. I get a lot of clients that have ended, that ended up purchasing a dog from a breeder for exactly that reason. They rescued in the past and they dealt with a lot of challenges. They love their dog, but the dog has a, had a great life and ended up living a long life and he passed away at some point and they're ready for a new family member and they decided, well, let me just let me just buy one this time and um, maybe I have fewer issues down the line to train to deal with. And that is a absolutely fair thing to do and it's a perfectly fine thing to do. So if if somebody tries to shame you for that choice, just ignore them. It is an absolutely perfectly fine thing to do to purchase a dog from a reputable breeder to stack the deck in your favor and reduce some of those risk factors in your life. Everybody has to know what they're comfortable with in terms of risk and what they're not. Everybody has a different risk profile. Everybody knows what they're willing to invest in in, the, in training or health or risk-wise absorb health like um, costs for potential health risks that come with a rescue dog. And all these are factors that you have to, as a dog owner, consider for yourself and your family. As I discussed in a previous episode, I think it was about the vets. So what we do for, for buffering out vet expenses is we have insurance on our dogs. We have, we have pet insurance um, with very high coverage and then also higher deductibles because we're only going to use those for emergency situations. And then we have a care credit card to absorb the instant payment at the vet because they're not going to wait for a reimbursement. They want to be paid today. right? And then um, the insurance will wipe that bill off before it comes due. So that, that's how we set ourselves up, and I talked about this in the previous episode, and I'm not getting money from any of the companies I just mentioned, so this is just how the setup that, we, that we're using. But you have to, as a dog owner, you have to know, or you have to decide, rather, what are you comfortable with, what do you want to set yourself up for, what, what is best for you. And you shouldn't let other people talk you into one way or the other. If you want to rescue a dog from a shelter, Go ahead, rescue a dog from a shelter, prepare yourself, do the things that, you, that you're likely to encounter, and enjoy your wonderful dog for hopefully many years or a decade or so plus to come. As I said, all of my personal dogs were rescues. If you want to buy a dog, um, go ahead, buy a dog. Just make sure you pick a good breeder. Now, the thing that you cannot forfeit in any case is good training. Because if you don't train a dog from a breeder, what did you actually spend the money on for? What, what was the point of this, right? So now you have a healthy dog, but if you make, let's say, um, less smart choices down the line after you purchase the dog, you're kind of invalidating your investment into a healthy animal. So you still want to go and find a good trainer you're comfortable with and sign up for a training program when the time is right. 
you still want to set yourself up for potential injuries and with a proper uh, insurance plan because that can happen to anybody that has nothing to do with where the dog comes from. And you just want to prepare yourself for the things that are eventualities in the dog's life, regardless of where the dog's actually from. Now, in terms of breeder selection, it gets, as a dog owner, rather tricky. Because you have really, a, it's just like a dog trainer, it's very difficult for a regular person to evaluate if a trainer or a breeder is a good breeder. Now, there's a couple of indicator, indicators that can help you make the determination, but ultimately, you don't really know if you're going to be taken advantage of or not. Because a lot of people talk a very good game, that doesn't mean they're actually giving you what you what you're supposedly buying from them. Huh? I've encountered um, a backyard breeder that had quite a good sales pitch and never let anybody see where she lived. It's kind of like a red flag, right? But her dogs seemed good and uh, the people buying them seemed to be in more fluent buyer segments. So she was able to attract those buyers. There was a lot of things that kind of like, hmm, could be okay, could be fine. Turned out they were backyard breeder. I, I wasn't aware of that initially. I figured that out at some point and that cut all ties. But um, this was one of the scenarios where I personally wasn't sure what I was dealing with. I kind of like thought maybe, maybe not. But there were like indicators on both sides of the equation. So I just let it play out for a while before I was more sure. But it's, it's easier to get taken advantage of by backyard breeders and bad breeders as a pet owner than as somebody who trains dogs professionally or buys a dog for a professional purpose. And the reason is that pet dog breeders are a very different bunch of people than professional working dog breeders. So working dog breeders who care about the breed standard and keeping healthy dog and breeding healthy dogs and having dogs that have generations of healthy parents and grandparents and down the line and will be able to show off this to you, these dogs, they go into professional circles, which means they will go. some will go into sports, some will go into service work, some will go into, into hunting or working, whatever. And other people, other professionals will see those dogs in action. So let's take a hunting dog. A hunting dog breeder breeds hunting dogs for a living, and his puppies go out to a whole range of people. The people who go hunting with those dogs, and they may, some of them will participate in, in hunting trials. And they will see the dogs from other breeders in those trials. They will see how they perform in Labrador retriever trials or so. And they will see if these dogs are good or not. So if a working dog breeder produces good dogs, those dogs go out and every professional who is in that working world sees those dogs in action. And the word gets around after you've seen a couple and they all consistently perform over a generation or so, or two, three. Hey, these people breed great dogs. If I want a lab or if I want a poodle, I go there. Because the word gets around. Same the other way, if a breeder in that world produces a crappy litter, and for whatever reason, I call crappy litter, it sounds horrible. But like, I, I mean like a litter of dogs where there are some issues genetically or health or whatever, right? That's what I mean. So it's not it's not a dog's fault. It may not even be the breeder's fault. It's like the genetics can be a funny thing. But if you if you have a litter where the dogs just have some issues, let's just keep it, keep it, say it like this. And those go out in the world and they end up at hunting trials and they don't perform well or they could become service dogs, they actually don't, they wash out, right? And the people who work with them, 
see them. And the people who compete with these people in those sport trials see them. And they say, this dog is not performing well. And that's, uh, where's he from? Oh, he's from Breeder A. Okay. And then next year, that's that's our problem. Breeder A is also not that good. Okay, Breeder A, apparently not not very consistent. Like two years in a row, I saw dogs from Breeder A. And uh, Breeder A, I don't know. It doesn't seem to be that great. But the dogs from Breeder B... They seem to be always doing good. They're looking good. They seem healthier. The coat's shiny, whatever, whatever the whatever you're looking at. And just like overall, huh, Breeder B seems to be making good choices. They seem to be breeding good dogs. And uh, a couple of uh, Breeder B's dogs actually won. So we have this competition in the professional world between like working, working line breeders. They can't afford to neglect their breed standards. They can't afford to neglect their dog's health. They can't afford to breed two dogs that you shouldn't be breeding because they look pretty. Because that gets out and their reputation is shredded and they'll have a hard time recovering from that. In the pet dog world, what are the odds that any pet dog owner talks to another pet dog owner who got a dog from their pet dog breeder? Those odds are small. What are the chances you're going to run into one? What are the odds you're going to have contact with them and see what other dogs are doing over a period of time? There isn't really, the odds are not in the favor of that at all. It's all kind of hidden away. So you can have pet dog breeders that simply breed for looks, completely ignore the breed standards. The dog looks pretty for a while, but they have health issues and they maybe die young or they have joint issues and have to put down because they can't walk. So like really bad outcomes, horrible for the families who buy them, And nobody will be any the wiser because you wouldn't know that that's been happening for the last five years with dogs from that breeder as a pet dog purchaser because you have no way of knowing. There's no way that you could find, I mean, you could ask around, but they probably wouldn't give you the information. It would say privacy and not let you have contact with other dog owners. Again, unless they're really good breeders, right? The good and reputable ones, they have no problem with any of that because... They're proud of their dogs. They know their dogs are great. You know that they, they know their dogs live a long time. Their dogs are healthy. They're happy to put you in touch with people. They're like, you want to talk to them or you see them out there in the working world? Not a problem. But in the pet world, it's all kind of hidden. So with pet dog breeding, it can be very tricky to really identify a great breeder. Um, indications, obviously, if you have papers about the parents and the grandparents and the great-grandparents, Going back, you have a lot of genetic health checks on all these different breed lines. You have a lot of history. Um, the breeder is very protective over their puppies. They're very selective of who the dogs go to. That's a great indication. Breeders that are selective, like really selective, they the dogs are tough to get, actually. That, that can be a great indication of you're dealing with someone who really uh, cares about their dogs. And that is what you ultimately want if you buy a dog as a pet owner. If you're a pet owner and you want to buy, go to a breeder that seems maybe be a little bit difficult from, from the perspective of screening. He wants to screen the heck out of you, basically. He wants to make sure you're really going to be the right fit for this dog. They're very particular. They ask a lot of questions. And they provide a lot of information about the history of the dog and the health of the dog. And they're very open about everything. So with good breeders, you're going to face some like obstacles and purchasing that you just have to work through and overcome because they're going to be picky and selective of who they let their dogs being purchased by. But they also on return provide a lot of information about the background and health of their dogs that benefit you when you buy. So just pick wisely if you buy. 
And again, nothing wrong with buying, nothing wrong with rescuing. Do what's right for your family and don't let anybody shame you for whatever choice you're making. There is nothing wrong with either one of those things. Um, I personally have never purchased a dog for myself. And most likely, um, when the time comes, there won't be any time soon because I have uh, still have <laughs> a good number of dogs in my life. Um, but if the time comes, I've never raised my own puppy. In like 20 years training dogs and having dogs, I've never raised a puppy for myself. I raised puppies for many other people. I trained many puppies for many, many dog owners. And I'll, there's a good chance I will next time actually go and buy a German Shepherd puppy myself and raise him from ground up. I've never done that for myself. And I always thought I wanted to do that at some point, at least once in my life. At least once. So I think I want to do that. So nothing wrong with that, right? So I uh, think you should do what you feel is best for your family, make the right choice, and just pick a good breeder if you go down that route and check what you need to check, no matter which which route which route you choose for your family. But that that's it. So those are the couple of thoughts I wanted to share on rescuing versus breeding. A couple of things to be aware of, a couple of things to think about. I think both are perfectly fine choices um, for, as again, professional dog breeding. There's a lot of reasons why that needs to happen for professional work. And there is no alternative to that. If we stop doing that, a lot of working professions of dogs would just disappear because we wouldn't have the dogs for it anymore. Without breeding, I've, I've read somewhere that without um, purpose breeding, within uh, how long will it be? 10 years or so, we wouldn't have really dogs anymore. I mean, breeds would just like kind of start falling apart. And I believe that from what I know about genetics, it makes sense. But if you stopped all breeding today, that would be that would be very, very bad. All the all the dog breeds we love would just cease to exist. Um, but okay, so that's uh, that's it. That is what I wanted to say on rescuing versus purchasing. I hope you found this informative. You got something out of it, and I'll see you again next time. Bye.